Have you ever been surrounded by pro-abortion protesters who were telling you that you can't tell them what to do? Well, that happened to me last week. Let's talk about how we can respond. Come debrief with us. Hey, y'all. I'm Lexi, and I'm your host. And joining me today is Seth and Ethan. Good morning. Hey, welcome back. We're all here together. People have been going on the road a lot. So Ethan just got back actually from like pretty much two weeks straight on the road. How was that, Ethan? It was exhausting, but it was a lot of fun. What Uh, was something unexpected? On the spot, Maggie getting doused with black paint. We'll talk about that in a future (laughs) episode. We definitely need to. Yeah, right. Wait for that one. That was unexpected. (laughs) It looks like it looks like she got all the paint out of her hair now. Good job. Oh, she said two showers. Oh, no. No, no, no. Two hours. Two hours. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Interesting. Well, yeah. Prepared. Be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, in the next few episodes, we'll be talking about that. But, Ethan, this is your first. Well, actually, before you came on as a gap year intern, you went on a road trip with us. Yeah. So, was there any difference between you going on as like a volunteer versus you being now two outreaches or two? Uh, road trips in yeah. deep as a gap year intern i got to wear a gopro oh, oh nice. okay <laughs> badge of honor that's normal now for me i did i didn't think there were a lot of differences yeah i really enjoyed working with all of the people i get to work with and so yeah they were great and so he was in michigan and then where i was also on that road trip and then yep. he came back to columbus for a few days and then went back and went to chicago right yeah so and then he was there for the rest of that week going to universities mm-hmm. there and going to sidewalk counseling as well outside abortion facilities yeah. so there will be great footage that we can cover in later episodes of the debrief yeah and for anyone listening if you want to be like ethan and join as a volunteer not on staff you can just hit the show notes to connect with us to join a road trip for life definitely and you know what's coming around the corner is our justice That's ride right. so if you have not yet applied for the justice ride and you are a high school or college age student you need to do that right this Get instant, on the trip. Okay? Get on the yes. bus. You know, and if you're Absolutely. older and you want to apply to be a, um, a chaperone, you know, do that too, okay? So go to juststride.org to get that application in, and that will be in the spring. Yep. So it's a week-long trip from Columbus to Florida. They're all week-long training you on how to talk to people about abortion and out on the college campuses. It's a great experience. You need to do it. We might even record on the road, so you might get to pop it on an episode, oh, you know? Yeah, so fun. It's yeah. full circle we for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a clip that I want to talk about. Right. We were at Eastern Michigan University, and we brought- Is there a mascot in emu? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not a fan of this university, okay, y'all? So I don't don't have much great feelings about them. But we actually brought our Jumbotron on the road trip to Michigan, and so we had our Jumbotron. If anybody hasn't seen what that looks like, go on our Instagram. There are tons of videos of that, but there were- protesters waiting for us before we showed up on mm. uh on that day and so we were greeted by all the protesters with coffee and tea and oh yes donuts. they just loved us they rolled out the red carpet for us y'all <laughs> um no it was quite the opposite but they actually did bring some tablecloths to cover all of our signs so that was fairly nice of them and so we were just met with how many protesters do you think? I can't, I'm so bad with numbers. 50 plus people were yeah, there. Yeah, there were probably 50 to 100 protesters at, at the peak yes. of our outreach. Yes, so. so it was definitely interesting. So the clip that we're about to play, I 
believe this is whenever I was just taking a video recording um, the Jumbotron to post on our story or whatever mm-hmm. on Instagram. And this is when a ton of protesters came over to stop me from recording. We literally tried to record just like a normal reel of like just Lizbeth talking and everybody would just swarm you, all the protesters trying to yeah. shut you down. So this is after the crowd died down a little bit, but you're going to hear a few of them all talking at me once. Unfortunately, the audio, you can't hear what everybody's saying all at mm. once, but you will hear the main girl okay. talking. So you'll hear me saying things, responding to people who you can't hear. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll explain it after, but let's play that clip. What you believe should not affect my life. That's fine that you believe that, and I respect your belief. You don't have an abortion then. Why do you feel like you get to dictate what other people do with their bodies? Because if somebody is using their body to kill a two-year-old, even if it's not me that's dying... Two-year-olds are not in the womb. It doesn't matter. I'm saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's this human being. Ma'am, can you answer the question? It doesn't matter. Why do you feel like your human? I don't believe our environment determines our value. Why do you feel like your beliefs should affect my life? If you don't want to get an abortion, it's not my belief. Under, you just said that. You said I believe in everything you just started your sentence with. No, I I, I, I do. I do believe. I do believe it is wrong, but it's not because it's my belief that I'm doing this. It's because it's reality. Okay. Oh, what a great ending line! It's reality. That's good. Yeah. Well, and because I listened back to that, I was like, well, yes, it is my belief, but. Yeah, I was trying to uh, explain to them that, well, it's not just because it's my opinion, because that's what she was getting at at the beginning. So what's your first take? The opening line that she gives us is, I respect your belief. So you don't get an abortion, but don't tell me what is respect? How do you respect my belief? What do you mean? She didn't, yeah. clearly didn't respect sure. your belief at all, right? No, and I had so many people, and I'm sure Ethan had so many people that's respect, I hate to see dislike, right? Us. Yes. Yeah. The thing is, There's a difference between belief and like respecting it saying, I think what she's saying is I'm not going to force you to have an abortion, Yeah, but I'm not going to like take what you're saying legitimately. Like I'm not going to take the signs that you're showing us, the uh, facts that I'm, you're giving us as something that I'm going to look into or care about. I'm going to completely disregard it. I'm going to completely continue going on with what I want to do. So it's interesting. It was definitely interesting. But I, just, I don't know where to begin. There's so much there. There's so much there, but let's dive in. Okay. Well, what do you want to say? Do you want to? Ha- do you have anything you want to say about the first thing that she said? About respecting your belief? Sure. Well, I think that she doesn't. I think she fundamentally misunderstands what a belief is, right? So you may have used the word yeah. belief, but you don't mean like, as you said, opinion. Like it's not like I prefer vanilla to chocolate ice cream. Right. You don't mean I believe it's better in that kind of vague, subjective sense. You mean I believe this is true that it's wrong to intentionally kill innocent people. But belief just doesn't make sense to people today. They don't get what you mean by that word. Well, and I don't even think I ever used the word belief. She mm. said that I did, but I was like, I don't use that word. Like I just say I know. Um, right. I try not to use the word belief very much. I don't. I don't think I said it. Maybe I did, but I. I try to use word I know more than I believe when I'm talking mm-hmm. about facts, right? Yeah. So, well, maybe you said I believe it's wrong to kill, right? Because that's a moral claim. But even there, you still really believe it truly is wrong to kill. Yes. So I think she misunderstood. Yes. So moving on from that, whenever I was explaining to her, she was saying, "Well, if it's not impacting you, right? Mm-hmm. Then 
why are you here? Why are you doing this? This is my thing. You know, I can have an abortion. It's not going to impact you. So then I brought up the example of, okay, so if somebody was killing a two-year-old, it wouldn't be impacting me, right? Directly, but I would still protect that two-year-old. I would still oppose that. Everybody in the crowd, you know, like the 10 people around me were like, what, what? That's not the same. That's not the same. That's not the same. And so I was explaining to them, well, it is the same because we're talking about human beings. The two-year-old's human and so is the child in the womb. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to that, Ethan, whenever everybody is like, hey, a two-year-old is vastly different from a child in the womb. You can't even compare those two things. What do you do in that circumstance? Developmentally, there are differences between an unborn baby and a toddler. But there are also developmental differences between a toddler and a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old and a teenager, a teenager and a full-grown adult. That's because until you're 25, you are still developing and coming to the fruition of your development, basically. So just like we shouldn't discriminate based on the color of your skin, we also shouldn't discriminate based on the level of your development. So just because someone might be smaller than me doesn't mean I can discriminate against them. And just because someone is less developed than me or doesn't look like me doesn't mean that I get to discriminate against them and say that you are not as human as I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in this circumstance, right, you have 10 to 15 or so people sur- like surrounding you, yelling yeah. at you all at once. What do you do in that circumstance, Seth? You do open mic all the time when you're surrounded by even hundreds of people at some points. What do you do when everybody's yelling at you? They're all pretty much saying the same thing, at least in this mm-hmm. instance. They're not really going to listen to you that much. But if there is something and someone in that crowd who would take what you're saying, what do you say to them when they're all laughing, mocking not taking you seriously. Is there anything that you do in those circumstances or is it kind of just dependent upon what you're talking about at the time? That's a very interesting question. So I'm curious because you were experiencing that, right? And so there's even before how strategically how you deal with it, there's a whole like emotional effect on you. And I'm curious like how it affected you afterward, like if you were exhausted from it or whatever, you know, because it can be very exhausting being in that moment. But I think for me, what I try to do is I, I focus on kind of just two people. Like one person asking the question who is probably not the person who I have any chance of ever moving, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I, so I'm focusing on yeah. them like as as a dis- dialoguer, but then I'm, think, I'm thinking of the person in the crowd who's more open-minded, who's quiet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm talking for that quiet person who won't ask the questions but is more open-minded, but I'm focusing verbally on the person who's asking a question because you can't talk to five at a time, right? So I say like, let's talk, why don't, let's, you and I talk for like 30 seconds, that's all, right, maybe, but we're going to talk to each other and then I'll move on to the next question mm-hmm. because you can't do 10 questions at one time. It's just not possible to do that. But so I try to keep my mind focused on one person to talk to and then talking as if the open-minded people who are listening might actually hear something valuable. Interesting. That's a really good point. I, I need to think about that more whenever I'm having conversations with people, but are like surrounded like that. But um, how did you keep your head cool? Like um, while you're being surrounded? Cause that's a hard thing to do. Oh, well, you know, at some points they were like spitting, they were like so angry. They were talking so much. They were like spitting on me. I had to step back twice and I was like, y'all are spitting your on DNA, me so please keep it to yourself. much. I literally told them, Y'all can't keep spitting on me. It's really gross. I've gotten y'all spit in my mouth. I can't handle it. So like that, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. When you start getting, yeah, their bodily fluids on you, you want to run, okay? Let's be honest. So anyways, 
I wasn't very nervous in that. I've definitely had more circumstances where you feel like closed in, mm -hmm. like at a protest mm -hmm. where you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm never getting out of this. Like yeah. I feel like claustrophobic, but I didn't feel claustrophobic because I was like in a field. Yes, they were all around me. Actually, earlier in that day, I was surrounded on both sides by people holding tablecloths, not letting me move. And that was more oh, get me out of this situation right now because yeah. I was more nervous then. But okay, so I don't know. Mm. I didn't, I feel like that was kind of like a normal conversation for me. Mm. Well, so on that note then, so I think some people ask when they see us like in a group like that, is that valuable, right? So how would you respond to why it was still important for you to answer those questions? Even if, even if they personally were not in the moment open-minded, why was it valuable? Yeah, well, I mean, most of my conversations were in large groups like that, that day. I would say I had three conversations where it was one-on-one. -on -one. The rest were people were around me, 15 plus people. So, and they all have different views. I even talked to one guy was like, I, yeah, kill a four-year-old. The girl next to him heard that and was like, oh, that's, we don't believe that. We don't believe that. And he's like, yeah, I don't yeah. care. So I think it's valuable because when you have all these people around each other who have differing views and they're real radical and they can kind of rub each other the wrong way. It's almost mm -hmm. like um, exposing them by just letting them hear themselves talk. Yeah. So Good. I really enjoyed having them contradict each other and me being able to stay firm in we can't kill innocent human beings. And that's really all you have to say. So even when you're surrounded by a huge group, since we're grounded in truth and since we're grounded in very simple a very simple argument don't kill babies yeah. you know it's not it's not very hard to hold your ground that's good so ethan did you have any protesters surrounding you that day i, I saw a few uh, groups around you definitely not as many as you and lisbeth had surrounding you but i had a i i had a few crowds crowds mm -hmm. probably maybe five six ten people yeah who would gather around and really i got advice from Titus, one of my coworkers here at Created Equal, that went in that situation, you focus on having a conversation with one person because I had a lot of people who were trying to stop my conversation or interject their own thoughts. And so I st tried to stay focused on just continuing this conversation with one person. And I really like doing that because you have all of these other people who are then forced to listen because, you know, they're trying to intimidate you mm -hmm. or shout you down or stuff like that. But when you're having this conversation with this one person, they're getting the benefits from hearing what you're saying to the one person you're trying to communicate. And that's why I really like gathering crowds and protests like this mm -hmm. because of that. So I guess the common thread between Seth and Ethan, both of y'all's advice is just stick to one person. Don't don't be overwhelmed by the big crowds yeah. because that that would throw you off, right? If you're, especially if you're someone who, you know, doesn't enjoy talking to people or you're maybe more shy. Oh yeah. That could maybe be really intimidating thinking about all these people are listening to you. But when you just focus on that one person, that one conversation you're having, you don't get overwhelmed with yeah. mm -hmm. everything else going on around you. And it, it's almost, it almost is like a very helpful thing in a way for that conversation. There are definitely pros and cons. It's great having one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so there's a reason why we don't just stir up crowds to talk to masses, yeah. right? It's There's a reason we don't just always do open mic, but there's tons of benefits of doing things like that as well. Yeah.
Yeah, you're right. And sometimes you, I just find you have to even, you know, we've talked before, I think on the show about how we narrate conversations for people by saying, okay, you've said this, I've said this, how this is going. The same with the crowd. Sometimes you have to just say, you know, I can only respond to one of you at a time, right? Yeah. Just kind of be honest about that. And generally speaking, they kind of get that, okay, that, that's fair. I'll, that makes sense. But I often do find after so many large crowd conversations, you're right. What you're saying is so true. I've pro-choice people come up and say, you know what? That was really awkward. I don't agree with that person, what he was saying. And you yeah. start to see them being, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word, um, alienated from their pro-choice worldview, which is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. That's moving them closer to truth as they get farther away from false falsehood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to my opening question slash statement of have you ever been surrounded by protesters who are telling you that you can't tell them what to do? <laughs> I even love that. I even pointed that out to them because I'm like, you're telling me that I can't be doing this. Irony. You're telling me I can't do this with my body. I can't be here. Yeah. Everybody was telling us, you need to leave. Get off our campus. You don't yeah. belong here. Whatever. And I'm like, okay, you're telling me what I can do with my own body. The irony in that is so heavy. It's just so heavy that it's too obvious for them. Right. <sighs> they miss it. Yeah. I guess, but all you can do is point it out, right? Right. But I mean, yeah, the, the whole thing is ironic, right? And they're saying... Why should your beliefs affect my life? Yeah. But yeah. her beliefs definitely, she wants them to affect your life. Her belief is you don't belong on her campus and you should follow her belief, submit to her belief, right? Mm-hmm. And her belief, which I understand all of our beliefs impact each other. That's why we have laws against people doing what they want to do because sometimes what people want to do is wrong and we should have laws restricting that, right? And that's the reason why we have like a social standard even outside of laws. There's just social practices that we do and we do not do as a civil society. Unfortunately, our society has gone so far off the rails that we aren't acting very civil and we're murdering our own children, right? But we should hold each other to a certain standard. And I would say, yes, my beliefs are going to impact you. Me saying, don't kill your baby is going to impact you. But you saying, I'm going to kill my baby is going to impact me too. Absolutely. And I just, this irony is just too rich, right? So the whole idea of why should what you say affect my body? When, as you pointed back to her, what she believes is literally affecting someone's body, not yeah. by pushing yes. them, but by tearing them into pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Take me out of the equation all day. Yeah. Take all of us out of the equation. Abortion, choosing abortion is choosing to end the life of an innocent human being. You're imposing your will on, some, your will on someone's body. And yeah. that's why we have to always go back to they're human just like we are. They're valuable just like we are. Even if you're not going to acknowledge it, it's not going to change the reality of it. But no, I think that was a really good conversation that I got to have with them. And maybe there was a quiet listener in that crowd. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe they'll think about it later on. You know, they were acting really crazy that day, but... Well, I would like to say what you said about the quiet listener. We had someone that day, they were already pro-life. It was a young guy who came up. He saw what was happening. He saw all the protesters. He saw us with our signs and came up. I know he listened to my one of my conversations for a while. And he was pro-life, but kind of timid in his mm-hmm. belief. But after listening to us, actually started to engage with protesters wow. himself and start to have conversations with people about abortion. And I think that was a really cool, tangible result of us being there, that we were able to encourage someone in their belief to the extent that they were then comfortable and felt equipped and challenged to go have conversations about abortion with these pro-abortion activists and protesters. 
That is very interesting. That's awesome to hear and very encouraging. So yeah, with that being said, we've really enjoyed talking with y'all this episode. And if you haven't already, please go leave us a five-star review so more people can find this podcast. That's all we have for you this week. And as always, thank you for debriefing with us.